You are listening to the recording of a live show. Please do not call or text, as this is a recording, and lines are now closed. In the name of Allah, the gracious, the merciful. Assalamu alaikum, peace be upon you, and welcome to another breakfast show. Uh, you're joined by myself, Tokir and then Imam Jalis Khan here in the studio of Voice of Islam. And uh, yeah, as as always, uh, we come with the, a great pack show uh, for our listeners. Um, and uh, this morning, uh, two of our main topics, topic of discussion that we will be discussing is World Interfaith Harmony Week. Um, and uh, for for this topic, we will be speaking to a local residents uh, who lives not too far from this complex itself the Betuftu complex uh, Begonia Castro uh, so she has given an interview on her view on what she thought was coming to the mosque first time with her family and what she thought of that so we're going to be listening to that in in the segment um, and uh, we'll, we also will be looking at uh, the topic uh, our prayers are, are, and our hope in light of the Israeli aggression in Gaza. Uh, this is another very uh, important topic and we have been covering the whole situation which has been happening uh, within within Palestine um, and very, very, I think, important. And certainly on the Friday morning show we have been covering this on a weekly basis and for this, we'll we'll be speaking to Imam Kashifberg, who is an Imam of the Andhya Muslim community uh, from Sweden, um, and he's uh, brief about his bit about his bio is that he's graduated from the Institute Jamia the UK, um, and uh, he also has a master's degree in religious history from Stockholm University. Uh, so we'll be we'll be listening to Brother Imam there. Uh, that is the sh- that is the lineup for today. And as the as our listeners know, the first twenty minutes to half an hour of the show, we like to go through some of the main news which is happening around the world, and also we like to cover some of the main news with regards to the Ahmadiyya Muslim community as well. So I'll I'll start off with the weather and uh, the weather forecast for this morning is that uh, today it will be generally cloudy and a breezy this morning with a few spots of rain potentially drifting by and skies uh, brightening up through the afternoon and turning largely dry, mild and breezy. And the forecast for tonight is that uh, thick low cloud will be present resulting in mainly cloudy conditions and it will stay largely dry, however, a mild night. I mean, I think, Imam Jalish, the weather is getting slightly better i know yes. a couple couple of weeks back it was very chilly yeah. um, especially in the morning sometimes yeah, there were days where it would be minus one minus three yeah. uh, but now it's generally no, it's, uh, it was, a lot it was, better it was it was really cold uh, we had uh, storm uh, isha as well hitting us absolutely demolishing some places yeah, yeah. and i think storm jocelyn wasn't too far behind yeah, so yeah, yeah so in contrast i think we're we're pretty good, I think, for uh, February or reaching into February anyway. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But yeah, uh, very good. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. I mean, uh, even I think uh, near, near my road, one of the trees fell. Oh my God. So uh, I think around the country, there there have probably been small little yeah. 
uh, issues like that, yeah. maybe trees dropping or yeah, roof, yeah. roof, uh, fences, and yeah, whatnot, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's yeah. that's the weather forecast. In terms of news, there is one um, particular news I did want to mention, and it's with regards to the historic uh, provisional ruling. Uh, so the ICJ it orders protection of the Palestinians in in the Gaza Strip from acts of genocide. Uh, and just a little a brief overview on this topic is that uh, on Friday the 26th of January, um, the International Court of Justice it delivered a provisional ruling in South Africa's case submitted to the court in December last year in which it accused Israel of committing genocide against the Palestinian uh, Palestinians in the Gaza Strip and the International Court of Justice it concluded that South Africa has standing to submit to it the dispute with Israel concerning alleged violations or obligations under the genocide conviction. And given how historic this whole development is, it is imperative to also highlight that South African solidarity with the Palestinian people and the nation's practical display of learning from uh, one's history for South Africa to have taken this stand when the silence of the Western world couldn't have been louder. The the importance of taking calculated steps to try and bring an end to oppression comes to light and Islam also encourages solidarity uh, which can be which can create a means to to stop oppression. So that is a, a very good news that uh, uh, this has happened and hopefully um, with this in effect it, it sort of does sort of tone down the situation yeah. or what not um, definitely yeah. I think uh, a few weeks back uh, we had uh, uh, Daniel Mate uh, yeah. on uh, on the show as well and I remember he mentioned as well that it's, it's very significant that this is happening in the first place it's, it's a massive step and it's uh, it's very poetic that it's South Africa that um, ignited this this whole case. Yeah. So this, this is amazing. This is the first step towards um, hopefully getting a ceasefire, which we are increasingly trying and hoping and praying for, and in in order to save the lives of those uh, innocent lives, innocent civilians. And and what I understand from this is that before all of this was happening, um, there there wasn't, you know, you you could sort of argue on both sides of the situation that uh, you know the no no like uh, government level or an international court has mm. labeled that you know this is an act of injustice or this is an act of genocide yeah. so now for israel to be labeled yeah. that you know this is an act of genocide yeah. there is then you they there can be some sort of prevention because before before all of that all of those months mm-hmm. you know that you could have said that yeah. you know well the international court hasn't said anything yeah. so finally yeah. Um, I see. I see. Uh, Jay has finally made that verdict. Definitely, definitely. We're going towards the right path. I think uh, right direction with this, and hopefully, we continue praying. We can uh, achieve uh, what we what we want from the beginning, which is uh, which is justice. To be honest, so yeah, absolutely, so, yeah. absolutely. And uh, how about yourself? Any other pressing news that you want to share with the with the listeners? Yeah, of course. Um, I believe um, last night was uh, transfer deadline day. 
It was transfer deadline day uh, last night. Mm. Um, I know you're an avid football football fan, um, so I would like to pose this question to you. Um, if you had a choice between Tottenham or Barcelona, who would you pick? Barcelona. Barcelona. It's it's it's, it's a no-brainer. Yeah. Right. So last night there was a, there was a hijacking of a transfer. Mm. Um, a gentleman um, or a footballer, um, a talent, Swedish talent, by the name of Lucas Bergwall, mm. and he had Barcelona right there he was going to sign for Barcelona and last minute Tottenham hijacked this transfer and he ended up opting for Tottenham instead and this is a precedent usually when the big teams like Barcelona Real Madrid they come into the scene this doesn't usually happen uh, they usually opt for uh, Barcelona Real Madrid but uh, this gentleman um, or this footballer um, a great talent apparently I, I'm, I'm not, I haven't heard of him before uh, but he opted to signing for Tottenham so mm. this, is, this is amazing this is mm. um, I don't know if you watch uh, Transfer Deadline Day um, but some people uh, are very uh, religious about this, and as in, as, as in they, they they have everything ready, screens and this and that, and uh, you know ready yeah. to see if anything happens last minute. Um, yeah, this was very exciting news. Um, apart from that, um, if you are a Formula One fan, you'd probably be aware the big, uh, the biggest transfer of the night was uh, Lewis Hamilton going from Mercedes and transferring to um, uh, Ferrari. And this is uh, this is taking the this is taking news by storm as well. People are very excited about this. Very uh, very very interesting uh, transfer as well. So yeah, definitely yeah, no, definitely very very interesting. Yeah. And I think when when you are talking about sports, it's important to mention here, as we do like to give an Islamic take to of everything course, really that uh, you know Islam really teaches that and encourages that sports is very good and we should all not only be watching but we should also be actively taking part and even we know that within the um, the Muslim Youth Association we do have a particular department who caters for the youth and looks after their well-being and and it's interesting to know actually the Prophet himself uh, the the Holy Prophet peace be upon him He's reported to have said at one place that Al-Mu'minul Qawiyu, Khairumin Mu'min Azif, that a healthy believer is better than a weak believer. So that shows that, you know, we, we should look after our physical health as well. Because if we are physically active, then we can also uh, give our due rights towards uh, our other duties as well, such as our prayers and, and uh, you know, our rights towards the creation. Yeah. So yeah, that, that just wanted to mention that point. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. Other news, uh, there's in terms of uh, the Ahmadiyya Muslim community. Uh, recently, there 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 is an article as well. You can read this on Al Hakam, um, and it says that celebrating Professor Abdul Salam's legacy of science and solidarity at the Imperial College London, and. Uh, it says that the university re- renames its central library to Abdus Salam Library in honor of the Nobel laureate. So that took place very recently. Uh, just just a little gist of the story is that on on Monday, twenty sixth of January, two thousand twenty four, Imperial College London, it orchestrated an illusion Ill- illustrious event to celebrate the legacy of. Nobel Laureate Professor Muhammad Abdul Salam, a towering figure in the annuals of theoretical physics and a member of the Amdiya Muslim community. And the event featured two lecturers and an exhibition 
that vividly brought to life Professor Salam's um, monumental contributions to the fields of physics. So guests were actually welcomed in the afternoon by Professor Michelle, who is the head of physics department, who expressed her delight at the event, making marking the remaining of the college's central library in honor of Professor Abdus Salam. Mm. And this meaningful act reflects Imperial College London's dedication to honoring the significant contribution of his esteemed alumni, the central library now named Abdus Salam Library, stand as a tribute to Abdus Salam's influential work in physics and his commitment to science education worldwide. Uh, so this this is very interesting and very exciting that uh, this has taken place because uh, you know what we see from the life of uh, Professor Abdul Salam is that he emphasized that what he's learned mm. and what he's accomplished has been through pondering over the yeah. the Holy Quran, yeah. and this is very interesting. Uh, because for for a someone from a from an academia, yeah. from a secu- someone who's gained secular knowledge to make such a claim is is very interesting. Yeah. But it goes in line with the teachings of Islam, yeah. because uh, if, when we read countless verses of the Holy Quran, it encourages man that it should ponder over the universe, ponder over the heavens and the yeah. earth and the Creator. So it, it directs man towards um focusing and you know scrutinizing and pondering over the creation um furthermore um what we see is that the holy book is the word of god whereas science itself it backs up that uh, those those words of god through evidence because from a from a scientific point of view we are always constantly learning we're learning new things yeah. new theories are coming and uh, we're learning but the holy book itself is the word of God, and such as you know, a place in the Holy Quran where it says that the universe is is continuously expanding, yeah. and scientists only recently have realized that you know that is the case. Yeah. So it goes in line with the teachings of of of, of what the Holy Quran says, and this yeah. is what uh, Doctor Abdul Salam sort of yeah. mentioned as well that the his accomplishment, his achievement. Yeah. Has been through the the Holy Quran itself. I think I, th- I think these kind of um, advancements in science and, and and this relation with Muslims and Islam is no is, is no stranger. Is is a is a massive connection. Um, if you go back um, hundreds of years ago, uh, we had uh, such um, scientists and such um, think tanks, um, just brains like uh, Ibn Sina, uh, Al Qurayzmi, um, Ibn Al Haytham. Uh, amazing individuals who made these advancements in science in their own fields and that is why we have certain um certain features that we do today for example the camera or even or even uh, telling the time as well the clock for example you know these are all mentions of the golden age of islam and then we see this there's this and i i think i, I, th- I think i'm not alone when i say this i take great pride to to, to see this um uh, acknowledgement of dr abdul salam's uh, 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 respect to Dr. Abdul Salam's uh, achievement in his uh, in his field of physics, um, having uh, being an alumni of Imperial College anyway, and uh, being recognised for his advancements. And 
being a Pakistani and also being an MD Muslim as well. So uh, that's an amazing, great pride. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. And uh, you mentioned the golden age of Islam. Um, and you mentioned uh, works of s- great scholars such mm-hmm. as Ibn Sina yeah. um, and his work in writing his uh, volume commentary on Kanun Fittib um, and yeah. in his great volumes of medicine that he's written. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also what's interesting is that when we read about uh, the, the camera itself, yeah. We know that even the the cameras of this is a Muslim invention, yes. and it came from those scholars at that at that time. Yeah. Uh, did you know, Imam Jalis, that alkaline itself mm-hmm. is is actually the derived from Arabic as well, and no, it, it, it was discovered mm-hmm. from those great scholars because, oh, wow. uh, from what I recall, like, mm-hmm. um, um, uh, the word alkaline is actually from alkali, and uh, it means ash uh, or, or a particular substance yeah. and uh, th- that's that's what it's derived oh, from wow. and uh, uh, now we know it as alkaline but yeah. it's, it's it's always been around and it was discovered from these uh, that's scholars amazing. as well that's amazing i don't know this <laughs> yeah that's great yeah definitely yeah um, any other news before we uh, um, then move on to our main segment i did i did have one but it's a bit of a it's a it's a bit of a side one. Um, it's it's not quite um, exactly relating to the topic we were discussing, but um, it's, it's it's an interesting one, and uh, it's another one that you can say that um, has has great connection with me. So, um, I think I think I think it's no um, no secret that I'm a I'm a big foodie. Um, would you consider yourself a big foodie as well? Depends on the mood. Depends. It depends. <laughs> depends. Are you a big fish and chip fan? Uh yeah, yeah. fun. Well, um, second year in a row, uh, there's a there's, there's a takeaway in Glasgow that I've been nominated for the UK takeaway of the year, and uh, the reason why it has a great connection with me is because it's from Scotland, and uh, this is the second year. The, 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 when they were nominated last year, they actually won, mm-hmm. and they're nominated second year in a row, and there's a good chance they might win again. Okay. And uh, yeah, I, this is uh, this is uh, the National Fish and Chip Rewards 2024. So I just thought I'd throw it there, <laughs> throw it out there that this Men- is happening. Mention the yeah, just, mention Glasgow. Just a quick mention of Glasgow, yeah. a quick mention of fish and chips, and uh, I think I think we can start off too well, I guess. Uh, but yeah, um, I'm a big fish and chip fan. I'm not I'm not sure about you. I'm impartial for it. That's good. good that's good. good, good fish and that chip. actually goes uh, in line with uh, with the 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 news I was going to mention as well. <laughs> um, that was on Humanity First UK. They mm-hmm. host a dinner for a difference recently it's okay so uh mentioned fish and chips that was <laughs> <laughs> very much in line with that and uh it would within the amdi muslim community um on the 25th of january uh humanity first uk hosted a charity uh dinner called dine for a difference at the wandsworth town hall in london um and uh, this started around in the evening around 7 40 p.m um, with presenters uh, such as Hamza Elias and Imam Sabahuddin mm. Emdi introducing the purpose of the event and in light of current events it was felt that there was a need to step back and analyse what could be done to better the world we we live in and a short video was presented on the purpose of Humanity First and its scope and attendees 
were then informed about a hospital being funded by Humanity First in Ivory Coast and the need for such a facility. Um, and uh, Fazal Ahmed, the director of Humanity First UK, uh, he provided insight into the work being done there. And a short video was uh, shown next about Humanity First UK's food bank projects and the impact it's making after which uh, Najam Khan, director of Humanity First UK, gave insight into how food banks were helping the the feedback of people they were providing relief to. And uh, the, the conversation then turned to the subject of Gaza and a video presentation was shown on the clean water facilities provided by Humanity First followed by the current need for more funds required for sanitary water for residents of Gaza. And uh, Dr. Aziz Hafiz, who is the chairman of Humanity First UK, he informed the attendees about the services currently being rendered by the organization and statistics on the amount of people rendered homeless and pregnant women facing complications due to majority of hospitals being destroyed were shared by Dr. Aziz that uh, we saw in Gaza on his last visit was unlike anything he has seen during his time working on Humanity First. Uh, he mentioned that uh, currently residents in the camps of Rafa, uh, 80% of the Gaza population is currently residing and have chest infections, cuffs that cannot be treated as a majority of doctors uh, as the majority of doctors are dead and the majority of medication is stuck in landstill traffic in Egypt. So it, it is a very difficult situation because currently the situation there is such that uh, it is very cold as well. I remember just very recently there was a picture I saw on social media where two kids, they were sleeping in a tent mm-hmm. and uh, as, as a bed, uh, they, they only had uh, maybe a, a duvet to just put over them. Yeah. But that same duvet they were using underneath as well. And it was mm. just a pile of mud, yeah. pile of cold and wet mud. Yeah. And, they, and they just had one duvet where they used yeah. uh, to sit on, to, to maybe lie down on, but also to cover themselves as well. So that image just... No, says it all no, and no, no. Uh, how the situation is. Um, yep. But our thoughts and prayers for yeah, the for those uh, brothers and sisters. Um, we're going to move swiftly now to our main segment. Uh, we're just going to take a short break and uh, after that we'll be uh, starting our first segment. You're listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. عن عمرو بن شعيب رضي الله عنه عن أبيه عن جده قال قال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم إن الله يحب أن يرى أثر نعمته على عبده it is narrated by Hazrat Amr bin Shuhayb anhu from his father, from his grandfather who reported, the Holy Prophet stated, Indeed, 
Allah loves to see the results of his favours upon his servant. Listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Ozubillah min al-Shaytan rajim Bismillah ar-Rahman rahim In the name of Allah, the Gracious, the Most. Wassalamualaikum, peace be upon you, and welcome uh, back to the Breakfast Show. You're joined by myself, Tukir, and Imam Jalis Khan are in the studio of Voice of Islam, and uh, we're now going into our first segment. We're looking at World Interfaith Harmony Week. So World Interfaith Harmony Week, this is actually an annual event observed during the first week of February. Uh, after General Assembly, it, desi- it, it uh, its designation in 2010. And the General Assembly pointed out that the mutual understanding and inter-religious dialogue constitute important dimensions of a culture of peace and established World Interfaith Harmony Week as a way to promote harmony between all people regardless of their faith. Now, this topic itself is such an important topic, such a crucial topic, because from time and time again, Imam Jalis, we, we've been covering stories such as, uh, you know, the for example, you remember the Rohingya yeah. people, they, they, you know, they were exiled from their own homeland they were they faced a lot of persecution but generally in the world um there there's always been sects or religions mm. who sometimes they've been outcasted by the by the country itself or the yeah. people itself and uh, you know at the end of the day what it comes down to is education really yeah. uh, because if we look at the core values of all religion all religions teach peace, yeah. um, and uh, this is this is w- rather than focusing on our differences, mm-hmm. we should uh, focus on our commonalities yeah. and and come together. Um, and uh, yeah, th- th- this is something which I I wanted to mention. Mm-hmm. Um, any, anything from your side? Of course, of course. I think this is very important this week. I think this is amazing that we do this. Um, this is building good relationships and uh, working partnerships between people of different faiths and beliefs. And then this is a whole uh, further part of the year-round work for many people and organisations across the UK. And uh, having this special week provides a focal point, helping to open interfaith activity up to a wider audience so that more and more people are aware 
uh, of the importance of this vital work and, and are able to participate. I know the three aims of this week are strengthening good interfaith relations at all levels, increasing awareness of the different and distinct faith communities in the UK, in particular celebrating and building on contribution which their members make to their neighbourhoods and to wider society, increasing understanding between people of religious and non-religious beliefs. And as you said, I think when we when we get down to the nitty gritty, yeah. um, we have a lot more similarities than differences. And I think if you focus upon them, I think I, th- I think this is exactly what this week speaks about is is, is making about uh, is, is making bonds and relationships between um, our faiths and uh, our differences and uh, sorry our, our different uh, religions. And I think at the end of the day, when we focus on these things, I think this brings us together um, as a community as a whole. And what you mentioned about focusing on our similarities rather than our differences, this is something um, the promised Messiah has mentioned as well. Instead of looking at our differences and and nitpicking uh, little things that we might differ on, why don't we look at the similarities and those things that actually bring us together and celebrate them instead of going and com- uh, go, going towards conflicting values? So this is something that this this week speaks um, speaks about, and I think I think this is amazing. It's a great initiative, and uh, it's 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 amazing that this happens um, um, in, in in the West. Yeah. Absolutely. And uh, I I liked how you mentioned uh, regarding the promised Messiah peace be upon him that this has been you know going on and from his time and we know there were different conferences at that time which took place mm-hmm. uh, where not just Islam but all other religions came together yeah. and they talked about their beautiful teachings but what's interesting is that this has not just been for the last hundred or odd years mm-hmm. this is actually since the prophet peace be upon him he he taught what he what, what he what he preached yeah. um and we see from his from his uh, from his life that he had so much care and love not only for a particular group for all of mankind you know he was given the title of rahmatul lil alamin there's interesting narration such as there's a beautiful narration regarding the prophet peace be upon him that once a funeral had, had passed by him mm-hmm. and he was seated there with with his companion mm-hmm. and immediately he stood up and at that moment the companion inquired to from the prophet that oh prophet why why do you get up this is not a funeral of a of a jewish uh, this is a funeral of a jewish person mm-hmm. And the Prophet very beautifully replied to this, that is he not a human being? Yeah. So we, we see that from the life of the Prophet that he showed love not only for um, Muslims alone, but also yeah. for all hum- for all, all people of all, um, all, all, uh, all, all faiths. Yeah. And uh, this, this gesture of standing up and showing mm. respect goes goes in very strongly with that mm-hmm. um so you know with that said the amdia muslim community uh throughout the world not just here in the uk mm-hmm. very actively it takes part and promotes the locals coming into the mosque mm-hmm. and seeing the complex itself but also holds various events such as we have the peace symposium here yeah. um and and various other events and and uh, even within the youth one initiative um that we are we have been taking 
is that uh, throughout the country we've been inviting uh, locals to come see the mosque mm-hmm. and just here within um, uh, Morden and Mitcham area as well um, I've also uh, been doing it myself and also t- telling the youth as well yeah. um, through different groups such as My Next Door or Facebook yeah. in where we can invite neighbors yeah. and just recently um, in the month of January um, I invited a couple of families to come and see the complex itself um, and it was very interesting because uh, a lot of the locals sometimes think that it's only Muslims who can who yeah. can come to a mosque and it's only Muslims who, who can uh, you know pray in the mosque but it's is the the mosques are open to everyone yeah um uh, so so it's is very interesting getting their reaction and uh, a lot of them would be would have listened to the holy quran as well the first mm. time yeah. uh, so it's is very interesting to explain as well and just very recently um one one such guest was um Begonia Castro she came with the family um and uh, they they really enjoyed the visit um so we actually had a chance to interview her as well yeah. Um, so we're just going to be playing that interview for our listeners. So we have it with us today at the Voice of Islam radio station, Begonia Castro. Um, and you work in learning and development. And you're a mom to two young girls. And you have also been a local resident here uh, for almost 30 years now, near, near the mosque itself. And uh, it's lovely having you on. Lovely to be here. So... Uh, uh, so a few be- weeks back, I actually had the chance to see you and your family, and um, you know you got to see the mosque, the complex itself. Um, so I just wanted to get your experience on that. that how did you find seeing the mosque, and what was your experience like of the of this uh, modern mosque? Um, so as you've said, I've lived in the area for almost 30 years. So I've seen the mosque be built. I've seen the um, you know the damage by the fire, and then the rebuilding and the extension. Um, and I've always been curious to see it from the inside and probably more importantly for me, for my daughters to have a chance to see it. So when I saw some of the worshippers from the mosque advertising the opportunity to visit, um, I knew it was something that I wanted to do. Um, and to be honest, the experience was wonderful. Everyone was very welcoming. Time was taken to answer all of all um, the questions that we had. Um, and it was also a privilege um, to have you pray for us. So that was something that, um, you know, was was a true gift to have shared. So a really wonderful experience for all of us. No, thank, thank you so much for um, for coming. And it was a privilege for us as well. And also, how did you find the experience itself? Uh, what did you learn from the experience? Um, so I grew up with two of my best friends who were Muslim, um, and I continue to have several Muslim friends. So I feel that I've got a relatively good understanding of the faith. But for me, what was important was to give my family that exposure. Um, so I visited, as you know, with my daughters, um, both who have learned about Islam at school, and I wanted to bring that to life for them. Um, and it was also important for me to bring my husband and my mother-in-law because they're both from Colombia, um, and it's a country that doesn't have as many Muslims in the community as we do here in the UK. Um, and I felt that they had some biased ideas that unfortunately come from the media and other unreliable sources. So I wanted them to see 
that what they have you know potentially heard or been told in the past um isn't necessarily the the reality and both of them came away i think they were both a little bit nervous and hesitant about the trip um and the visit but um they both came away with you know a, a completely different vision very positive um and so it was you know in my mind a, a huge success perfect sounds fantastic and did you learn any common values or shared principle amongst different faith communities from from this experience yes most definitely i mean i you know i think all religions regardless of who their god or their prophets their saints or their leaders are they're, they're basically all taking us down different roads with the same destination um and i think all of them ultimately share the same message of kindness love for all and, and respect for life um it's just sad i think that often these messages get mixed with politics and used for for people's desire for for power but in reality um you know being a roman catholic i have friends who are jewish um i have hindu friends and and all of them ultimately have the same message all of those religions no thank you so much for that and in this segment we're actually looking at why why it's important for different communities to get together. So I wanted to ask you, what's your view on this? Why do you think that it's important to hold such interfaith gatherings? Well, I, I think that a lot of the hatred that exists is down to ignorance and fear of the unknown. Um, and so these interfaith gatherings are a good way to educate people, to show people that deep down inside, actually we're all the same and we're all part of the same community. Um, it's a good way to dispel some of the myths and the misinformation that exists. And for me in particular, I think that the key is to get children involved. Um, you know, a child is born with no bias. They pick that up from, from the adults around them. So if we can expose them to other religions at a young age, I feel that they will grow to be, um, you know, more, more tolerant and open-minded. And hopefully that will then spread to, to others. Absolutely. And just before we do let you go, um, I wanted to ask you, how can we encourage others as well to learn more about different faiths? I mean, I think that's the hardest um, thing, really, and I'm not sure that there's an easy answer to that. I think, you know, people have to want to learn, um, and if they don't want to, then it's almost impossible. But I do think that your initiative of having these open days um, is an excellent idea. And I guess probably to take that one step further would be to, to actually contact the local schools in the area and offer them the chance to attend because, you know, almost all of them are learning about different religions um, as part of their curriculum. And so, you know, for, for the children to have a chance to come as a group with their, their grown-ups um, to visit the mosque would be a, a wonderful opportunity, I think. I'll definitely be speaking to my daughter's school about it. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Begonia Castro, for joining us today at the Voice of Islam radio station and sharing your thought on this subject. Thank you so much. So, the, yeah, that was, uh, as I mentioned, Begonia Castro and a beautiful interview. Um, and uh, you can tell that, uh, you know, they really enjoyed the visit. And uh, any anyone who, who does want to see this beautiful complex itself, uh, you know, do get in touch with us. Uh, you can uh, maybe tweet to us at Voice of Islam UK. You can um, you can call us on zero two eight six eight seven seven eight seven eight. Or for more information to get in touch, just go on our website on www.voiceofislam.co.uk. So we're looking at the topic of interfaith harmony, and 
one inner objection which is commonly raised when we are discussing um, this topic is that uh, there there may be many valuable teachings regarding the world peace in the Quran but we still remain in need of seeing it in example of those who follow these teachings so the allegation is that although the there are beautiful teachings within the holy quran we don't necessarily we still need a need for that we need the example for it and we can respond to this by saying that on the one hand the holy quran has these teachings uh, that can promote world peace and on the other an ex- a a practical and excellent implementation of these teachings has been established in person by the prophet peace be upon him himself mm-hmm. and the holy quran testifies to this as well allah the almighty says in the holy quran in the name of allah the gracious the merciful that verily you have in the prophet of allah an excellent model mm-hmm. for him who fears allah and the last day and who remembers allah much and all his noble well recorded life is a witness to the fact that he championed peace throughout despite all oppositions and challenges he proved that peace can only be established in the world by following quranic teachings and both phases of his life early in mecca under opposition and in medina in authority are full of example as to how he turned his followers into champions of peace and and the prophet always preferred peace over war or strife uh, just as it mentions in the holy quran in chapter 4 verse 129 and reconciliation is best mm-hmm. was his aim all the time for example if we look at an example uh, we look if we look at the treaty of hudaybiyah this is an excellent example Uh, apparently weak conditions were accepted as part of the treaty at that time but allah the most powerful turned it into a clear victory mm-hmm. never did did he take the initiative to attack his enemy without a prior provocation uh, and when he was attacked first by others he would resort to prayer and only under divine instruction would he go for a defensive battle and that to only until the enemy's transgression was put to an end there can be no better example of the peaceful nature of his character than the fact that he established a very kind and peace inducing code of ethics for war for muslims and in today's so-called world of religion ethics of kindness compassion and justice are totally forgotten whilst this king of world peace the prophet maintained peaceful teachings even in the battle ground and thus presented a role model that is guidance for all times to come and that we we see that in the treaty of hudaybiyah uh you know they 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 won even because at the muslims at that time they had mm. traveled all the way from medina towards mecca mm. and they weren't even tra- allowed to perform the pilgrimage yeah. at that time they yeah, they, they were, were yeah. denied entry yeah. and uh, there there was a good number of the companions at that time as well mm. 1500 companions mm. and they could have retaliated yeah. they could have said that you know we've come here for pilgrimage mm. let us perform our pilgrimage but very peacefully yeah. the prophet accepted uh, their rules and regulation mm. as and as the as yeah. it's mentioned that 
this itself or became a victory for the Muslims and and it certainly did because it was these it was after the treaty that Muslims were freely given that right to propagate yeah. Islam yeah. and uh, we see that the numbers rose many fold because of that definitely yeah i believe it was uh, the treaty of hadebia spoke about 10 years of peace and this is what the holy prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, opted for instead mm. of uh, anything else, any any conflict or anything like that. He opted for performing pil- pilgrimage a year after, even though his his companions are right there. Yeah. Mecca was right there, but he opted to um, obviously go towards the route of, as you said, rec- reconciliation, peace, yeah. and tried to make sure that there's no harm between. Uh, the, 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 well, he didn't want to harm this relationship that is um, about to be created. But yeah. Absolutely, yeah. and uh, another um, uh, as we are talking about the Prophet himself, another aspect is that if we look at uh, some of his sayings, mm-hmm. at one place the Prophet himself said that a true Muslim is he, is one whose words and hands others are at peace, yeah. that no hurting or damage is done to anyone from one's speech or actions, and this teaching makes no distinction between Muslims or non-Muslims or color or creed. A society built up on these foundation goes on to develop into national security and peace. And consequently, if all countries of the world go beyond their vested interest and unite on these teachings of the Holy Quran, it can certainly uh, be said that world peace would become inevitable. And this itself is such a beautiful narration that uh, a true Muslim is he whose words and hands other are at peace is, is so beautiful. Mm. Uh, quite often we live in a society where um, maybe at a workplace or maybe at a school, you know, you could get hurt by the sentiment of what others say to you, mm-hmm. um, maybe as a joke or whatever it may be. But Islam teaches that a true Muslim is that individual who does not only hurt you with his hands, but also through his through his words. You know, others are at peace, others mm. are at comfort because of that. Yeah. And because of that, that makes him a true Muslim. Yeah. And that is if if you ponder over this yeah, narration of the of the of of the prophet it, it is so, it is so beautiful mm. um i think lastly jalisa from mm. my side yeah. i'll just conclude with uh, another narration of the prophet peace be upon him and how uh you know how he always taught how he always preferred reconciliation uh, or peace over over everything else there's a very interesting uh, narration that once during the lifetime of the prophet a Muslim and a Jewish man, they were involved in an argument. Mm. And both claimed and counterclaimed that the relative superiority of their respective prophets. Mm. And it appears that the Muslim at that time, uh, he may have made his claim in a manner which which hurt the sentiments of that Jewish individual at that time. Mm. Um, and uh, when this matter was presented to the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, and a complaint was lodged against the Muslim, uh, the Prophet, he admonished against being unmindful of the sentiments of others. Yeah. He said that, do not exalt me above Moses, 
And this is despite the fact the Holy Quran, hmm. it declares him to be superior over all other prophets. Yeah. He said that, do not exalt me yeah. above Moses. Yeah. So th- this goes to show some of the high standard of decency and courtesy the yeah. the holy prophet peace be upon him had yeah. but also what he required from his followers as well that yeah. you know do not hurt the sentiments of others yeah even you know it clearly mentioned in the in in the holy quran that you know he was the best of all mm-hmm. prophets he was the seal of prophets mm-hmm. yet he said that you know do, do respect the sentiments of others yeah. as well no definitely i think this is something that we can all learn from as well uh, as you mentioned earlier on in the holy quran also, uh, it also mentions that the holy prophet peace and blessings of allah be upon him is uh, is an excellent role model for us and these are the things that we should be looking towards and protecting other people's sentiments and their beliefs and not belittling them instead we should we we should look at them our, as our equals and as certain as certain cases as as the holy prophet peace and blessings of allah be upon him um, did over here he exalted uh, Prophet Moses above himself and he gave him that, that mantle um, and this is something that we can we, we can learn from definitely and this is something that this is a, this, this is a common thread that's running out um, uh, running through this uh, interfaith harmony week which is beautifully explained in the Holy Quran is something that we've been mentioning a few times uh, we've mentioned a few times and that is come to our word equal between us and you Mm. And this is mentioned in the Holy Quran, very mm. beautifully put. And elsewhere, it mentions that in revile not those whom they call upon besides Allah. This is something as uh, another statement from the Holy Quran, another verse, another portion from the Holy Quran mentioning and highlighting that we should not be uh, disrupt, uh, um, belittling other people just because they don't believe in the same Lord or God or deity that uh, we believe in. We, we, we should uh, respect their sentiments. And uh, this is something that it's, 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 it's in a, in, uh, on one occasion, I, I really like mentioning this, and that is uh, regarding uh, September the 11th, and when the towers fell, and mm. news arose that a mosque should replace its once busy foundations, it, it caused outrage in society. What, what, what's happening here? Why, why a mosque? And uh, for how were the Americans to show tolerance and not receive any for themselves? And it was um, the fifth Caliph of the Promised Messiah, Hazrat Musur Ahmad, may Allah strengthen his hand, the flag bearer of religious tolerance, who left a message which implied that true tolerance demands compromise. Hence, that day he said not only a mosque, but a church, synagogue, and temple should be built on its foundations, so that from destruction emerges tolerance, unity, and peace. And this is what Islam teaches it teaches about unity and peace and harmony. And this is something so beautiful that our beloved Caliph has mentioned, the fifth successor of the promised Messiah. Uh, may Allah strengthen his hand, he mentioned. And this is, this, is, this is very beautiful. I really like mentioning this point again and again because this is what we try to promote, which is harmony, peace and unity in our society. And this is something that we learned from our Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be on him, and, and, and his companions and his, uh, and, his, and his successors as well. For example, we look at Hazrat um, um, uh, the 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 second successor of uh, the Holy Prophet, um, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, um, where the doors um, of our uh, sorry he he was given the opportunity to pray um, in an in a in a, in an area where other people would pray, and uh, I, I believe it was a church, 
And he responded by saying that I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to pray because he felt that maybe later on other Muslims might annex this this church and claim it as their own. So he respected the sentiments of these Christians of of the church, and I I really find this 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 piece beautiful. Um, I on in another narration, the Holy Prophet peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, he gave permission to those people of Banu Najjar um, to, to 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 pray in, in in the mosque. So not just keeping sentiments of we, we are keeping sentiments or Islam tries to keep sentiments of all religions, all faiths and make sure that everyone is accompanied and uh, is, is, is catered for. It's, it's, it's beautiful. I really like pointing these uh, um, uh, references and you know incidents out. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's exactly in line with uh, what the Amdiya Muslim community promotes as well. Mm. As I was mentioning earlier that uh, on a monthly basis, there's always an event where... Uh, externals or local people yeah. come to the mosque and see the complex itself yeah. um, and and just next month is the month of Ramadan and one uh, flagship event of the um, the Muslim community here in the UK yeah. is the big iftar yeah. and uh, uh, I had the opportunity to go to it last year as well mm-hmm. um, and get some bring some guests over to that so it's very interesting that uh, you know people learn actually why do why do we fast yeah. what's the meaning of it yeah. and it's not just muslims who fast but other religions fast as well so it's sometimes when when people realize that oh it's not just islam which yeah. teaches uh, fasting but it's actually other religions as well yeah. it's uh, i think as i mentioned you know it's education at the end of the day yeah. um so we're going to be discussing more of this topic um after the news uh so yeah don't go anywhere we'll be back shortly after this break you are listening to the recording of a live show please do not call or text as this is a recording and lines are now closed I seek, I, seek, I seek refuge with Allah from Satan the accursed in the name of Allah the gracious the most alaikum peace be upon you and welcome back to the breakfast show you're listening to Masoor Tukir and Imam Jalis Khan here in the studio of Voice of Islam we've we're looking at the topic of world interfaith harmony we've had a very interesting discussion we've listened to one of our guests who's come on as well but we've also looked at the uh, Islamic side of it as well that uh, what does Islam say when it comes to interfaith harmony um, I mean it's such a big word uh, but we've we've looked at the life of the Prophet peace be upon him how he's he was always a champion of peace and uh, how he showed love and respect to all religions mm. uh, similarly it's it would be a great segue to now look at the promised Messiah, peace be upon him, as well, the founder of the MD Muslim community. Yeah. Uh, I have a small clip uh, for for the listeners, and this is on the topic of the promised Messiah, peace be upon him, and his love for mankind. Um, and this is in a, a Q&A with the fourth Caliph, Azam Zatayram, may Allah the Almighty have mercy on him, um, in which he's expounded upon this uh, question. So, yeah, let's listen in. You see, it is a strange question in a way because anyone who claims to be from God can have nothing but love for God and His creation. And this is common to every prophet of Allah 
and even to the holy people were small lesser than prophets. I have been speaking on this subject repeatedly that uh, it is impossible to claim the love of God without at the same time claiming the love of the mankind. Not only that, love of the entire creation of Allah. Because if you love someone, it's impossible for you to hate his creation. Can you do it simultaneously? You love a cook, but not his, the, the, the food he cooks. You love a painter, but not the painting he makes. So they are, you know, inseparably linked, these loves. All we know of God is through his creation. Is that not right? Who has seen God directly? Always through the reflective mirror of his creation. The creation is lovely. That is why we love him. So the first evidence we give is with relation to the, his creation. And we find it so lovely that many often we fall in love with creation and forget the Creator. So are the holy men absolutely mad? How can they forget this fact that they also were led to God by watching his creation and every act or every little bit of creation raised his finger in the direction of Allah. And he was reflected not only from afar, but from within the Anfus. Not by only by the study of the nature around, but also when one sinks into himself, he again finds the evidence of God's beauty. So how can you f to love God, but knowing that you have known him to be beautiful because of his creation? You hate his creation. It's not possible. I'm talking of the dead creation for the... There we do not find any discrepancy. When you like a scene, everybody likes it. And there is no contradiction. But when it comes to life, and particularly the very best of life, that is human, then you find a very ugly contradiction in his claim that he loves God. He loves God, he loves his creation below the human level, but when it comes to mankind, he begins to hate them. How can it be possible? It, is, it only is possible if there is some distortion in his angle of vision. And that distortion, distortion always begins with selfishness. Of course, the selfish people also love when their circle of love is smaller and smaller. The one who is most selfish, he would love only his children, his wife, or his nearest ones. Yet man cannot live without love. So, but God does not live only one family, does he? So he is not being honest to God. He is only selfish. So the man who is so selfish, how can he love God and how can God love him? Now, enlarge the area of this discussion 
and let's get out of the family circle to the circles of various religions. We know some priests love Christianity and the Christians so much, but hate Islam and the Muslims by the same proportion. So again, it can be proved that their claim of love is false. They don't love God, they don't love Christianity truly, because God and his religion cannot be separated, God and his creation cannot be separated. So this is a very sound argument which can be developed to a much, bigger, much fuller discussion in application to every relationship between man and his surroundings. But because it becomes very deep and it will be very difficult for me to finish the subject to the end so that it becomes understandable by all, let it be sufficient. The first answer, in fact, should have been sufficient. If you love the Creator, you must love the creation. Because it is through the creation that you know the Creator, not the other way around. If you do not do that, then there is no, no truth in you, and the claim is false. So that was uh, a short clip um, from uh, the fourth caliph of the Amdi Muslim community. Um, Mirza Tahir Ahmed, His, Mr. Tahir Ahmed uh, His Holiness, uh, may Allah have mercy on him, in which he's explained um, how the promised Messiah, peace be upon him, his love for mankind, and how beautifully he said mm-hmm. that. Uh, a prophet who essentially is a person who is deeply in love with God um, and uh, his main mission is that he brings the creation towards Mm -hmm. the creator so beautifully put that a prophet who loves the creator how can he not then love the creation absolutely that love is for everyone yeah. and uh, this is this goes in line with the teachings of islam as well um as uh, one major obstacle in achieving peace um can be uh, racial discrimination or prejudice mm-hmm. or an attitude of arrogance among nations of the world yeah. and this is uh, islam itself it condemns this and it says in chapter 49, verse 14 of the Holy Quran, in the name of Allah, the gracious, the merciful, that, O mankind, we have created you from a male and a female, and we have made you into tribes and sub-tribes that you may recognize one another. Verily, the most honorable amongst you in the sight of Allah is he who is the most righteous among you. Surely Allah is all-knowing and all-aware. And these verses, they mention a golden principle that whoever is ahead in righteousness is the is the one honorable in the sight of Allah. To allow arrogance about one's ethnicity or to consider others inferior, it creates only hatred and division, which in turn it shatters peace. So a beautiful um, verse of the Holy Quran yeah. that uh, it doesn't say that a particular individual or a particular tribe who has excelled maybe in, in a particular uh, knowledge, they they are far superior or a male or a female, but rather 
very beauti- beautifully said it the person uh, or the individual with the righteousness mm-hmm. he is the one who is most honorable to Allah the almighty yeah so that itself completely gets rid of of all of the prejudices or mm. arrogance or any sort of racial discrimination in that verse yeah oh, be beautifully put uh, brother tokir absolutely beautifully put um i think i think if you, if you, if you revert, revert back to what um as in what this week stands for and how it came about um so this is the the world interfaith harmony week that we refer to and is is celebrated and touched upon in the beginning of every single or the first week of of february every single year and this was actually um designated designated by the united nations and it was launched um in 2011 to promote harmony among people of different faiths at a time when interreligious conflict is claiming lives and livelihoods all over the world and i think there's no better time than right now celebrating this mm. and trying to um promote this as much as we can and if we look at the life of as we were discussing the promised messiah what would be peace uh, we can see that he was also part of um a such a, a conference of great religions at a time mm-hmm. um where there was also um a, a conflict occurring at that time and this is in 1896 and this is where uh, the promised messiah upon whom be peace he wrote this essay this beautiful beautiful essay uh, titled the philosophy of the teachings of islam and this was read out um in the conference of great religions that was held in lahore and as i mentioned it was held in uh, 1896 uh, th- th- this was amazing because each religion had an opportunity to uh, promote its excellence um instead of Uh, instead of debating each other they they were promoting their own excellence and this was this was a beautiful way of bringing uh, all the religions together so people from the sikh faith were there people from um you know christians were there and everyone had the opportunity to promote what their religion speaks about and this was a beautiful way to promote um inter- interfaith interreligious harmony and this is exactly what we are uh, discussing about today fast forward to 1924 um the second successor of the promised messiah upon whom be peace hazrat mirza bishiruddin mahmud ahmed um um may Allah be pleased with him he also uh, took part in such a conference it was a, it was a conference of uh, world religions that was uh, that was held in london actually and it was it, 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 this kind of um, spoke about the same things kind of promoting your own religion and every religion had a had a stall of sorts and they were also promoting their own religion and trying to connect this um conflicting society that we see today and this is exactly what we try to promote each and every single year the Ahmadiyya Muslim community with our peace conferences as you mentioned um um the the what was the name of the Ramadan one that you mentioned the, the, the big iftar the, the big iftar absolutely the big iftar uh, we have the, uh, the 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 Pama uh, peace conference as well uh, the pan african uh, brothers of, of of the community they hold a peace conference on their side as well. So this is exactly what we try to do, promote as much as interfaith harmony as possible. We see that the UN has designated one week for this, but during the whole year, the Ahmadiyya Muslim community tries to promote interfaith harmony and peace and unity throughout the year. Thank you so much for that. I think that beautifully concludes it. And uh, with that, uh, we can now move on to our next uh topic um and the topic we're discussing is regarding uh, and the title is that our prayers and uh, our hope in light of the israel aggression in gaza so 
humans are humans after all. Uh, sometimes, no matter how much one tries, it can be difficult to maintain hope and to keep searching for the silver lining, as they say. Yeah. And these days uh, are being spent trying to comprehend the gravity of what is happening in the Gaza Strip. Each day brings one brings more disbelief than the last. And the aggression is crossing all limits and a human brain could envisage. And yet, many months later, there is no end in sight. And looking around at the world and not being able to fathom the sheer evil being inflicted on innocence, where families per family are being buried in in mass graves where children are having to console other children over the loss of their parents and homes and seeing that the so-called powerful and civilized side of the world Mm -hmm. is doing nothing but absolutely silently watching over Mm. as if something normal. So one really and truly begins to question that where does one go after witnessing all this? And what became of this world that enabled this? And how do you go back to making things okay again? So the immediate answer would be that you can't or that it's naive to still be optimistic. But Islam teaches us that optimism is a strength, even at the point of extreme hardship. And showing patience and keeping hope for Relief is a strength and because in doing so an oppressed person or those trying to be the voice of the oppressed undermine an oppressor's ability to exhaust their efforts in stopping them and instead the voice of the oppressed and those siding with the oppressed only gain more momentum. Nevertheless, prayer remains the most pivotal point. After all, Fervent prayers and staunch faith in Allah the Almighty can move mountains and they can bring about miracles. For Allah the Almighty, nothing is impossible and never too late or too early. Yeah, no, beautifully put, um, Brother Tuki. That's exactly the sentiments that we see to today uh, with the Gazans. We see the conviction they have in God Almighty and obviously prayers and our thoughts go out to our uh, Muslim brothers in Gaza and in the West Bank as well for some um, but yeah, definitely, I think this is the conviction of uh, the Gazans being highlighted right now. You know, even though they are facing such atrocities over there, they have not lost their faith in God Almighty. This is this is beautiful. This is beautiful, and this is this is um, almost um, mesmerizing. Mm. And, you know, really, really, mm. really like influencing the um, other people who are looking upon these these people. And when when, when videos are circulating and they're being spread. And you have certain fathers who are holding their children, and even then they are exclaiming, "There is no, there is no where they worship except Allah." This really speaks volumes to certain people who might not have any faith, and they're like, what, what, "Why is this? Why do they have such conviction? Why are they still um, exclaiming the oneness of God Almighty? What, what is it with Islam? What is it with the Muslims that they are still engulfed in Allah in in, in God Almighty?" So I, I um, I think I, I think highlighting that is is, is really important as well. The, the, the conviction they have in God Almighty and their faith. And and that's been on newspapers as well, that a lot of people seeing that conviction, yeah. a lot of individuals who seeing that that zeal of Muslims, mm-hmm. a lot of people have 
move towards learning more about yeah, Islam. Definitely. Um, so th- that's that's very interesting. Yeah. Um, we we are discussing the topic of prayer, and for that, we do have our next guest on. We are we are joined today by Imam uh, Kashif Burke, and Imam Kashif Burke he is a an Imam of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community who has graduated from the uh, Institute Jamia Ahmadiyya UK, and he's also has a master's degree in religious history. Uh, from Stockholm University. Assalamualaikum. Thank you for joining us this morning. Assalamualaikum. Glad to give sir. Thank you so much. Waalaikumsalam. It's always uh, lovely to hear from you, Imam Kashif. Now, we're discussing the topic of prayer. If you can please uh, enlighten us on this, that what role uh, does prayer uh, does it play in our daily life? Yes. So in the life of the believer, the prayer is actually the pillar on which everything else rests, meaning both his physical, mental, and spiritual well-being rest upon this, his connection with God Almighty and the Creator. So without a prayer, one cannot attain, as it says also, that it is in the remembrance of Allah that hearts uh, find peace. So... Prayer is actually the key to bliss in the life of mm. the believer. And even if he attains worldly success without the... Uh, he would not feel that this is a blessing. Rather, he would only feel blessing in the success he receives through prayer because it brings him near to Allah Almighty. And even as you're speaking about hardship, if he has a strong connection with Allah Ta'ala, he will feel such contentment even through the worst adversities and and uh, uh, and separation in life. He will feel that the bond of with Allah Almighty gives him strength to endure. Absolutely, and and since we are discussing the subject of prayer, Imam Kashif, if you can also explain that. Uh, how can one be more sincere within their prayers, or? What is the sort of the pathway for the acceptance of one's prayer? Yes, uh, so uh, every Muslim, uh, devout Muslim, if you grow up in a devout Muslim family, obviously your parents would teach you how to pray, you would see yourself join classes and and gain knowledge about the Muslim prayer, what is rakaw, how to, which prayers to pray. So this is actually the shell, the outer shell. And it has to protect something within. And within is this personal connection of yours, which you will develop. If you feel, as the Prophet says, a personal connection with Allah Ta'ala, that Allah is my God. And in order to pray to Him, I, I will I will use the prayers I've learned, but I will pray for my, in, my inner soul and heart, will bow down before Allah Almighty. When you attain that condition, through your good deeds and your devotion, so you will feel that prayer becomes something else for you something very special. So those of you Muslims out there who have learned that prayer, now when next time you, when you're going before Allah Almighty, pray from your, the bottom of your heart. And like a child cries before his mother. And then you will feel the acceptance of prayer and the blessing of prayer in your life. Thank you so much for that, Imam uh, Kashif. Um, my colleague, uh, Imam Jalis Khan, he also has a few questions he wants to ask you. Um, may the peace and blessings of Allah be upon you, uh, Imam uh, Kashif. Uh, how are you doing this morning? Alhamdulillah, we're doing great. Thank you so much. 
Um, I really appreciate you, or we we really appreciate you joining us this uh, this morning. We really do. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, I believe that you know my classmate uh, or my really good friend, uh, Musa Rashid Dogar. Um, how, how's he doing? Yes, no, I, I believe so. It's, it's, it's a true blessing to have him, uh, or uh, to, that, that we had him in our class as well. He's, a, he's, a, he's an amazing gentleman, an amazing individual. So um, really good to hear that he's doing well. And I believe um, yourself and the, the other missionaries in Sweden have been traveling all across uh, Sweden promoting um, the excellence of the, the Holy Quran as well. So um, uh, may Allah bless you for if your I efforts. Can get, a, get a minute on that because the two of our colleagues are right now in the northern part of Sweden called Jokmok, where the native community, the same, are, are, lives. And they are there for a very a good event in, in minus 20 or 30, I think. And they're doing this campaign, Ask a Muslim. So we are reaching the corners of this country, Alhamdulillah. Oh, no, this is really good. May Allah bless your efforts, honestly. You're doing a lot. And um, I'm, I'm, I'm avidly reading your articles as well. And I, I I implore our listeners as well to read the articles on Al Hakam as well that you're writing, and obviously your efforts are not being unnoticed. They they they're definitely being noticed by everyone as well. So um you know may Allah bless your efforts. You know thank you so much. Um coming back to the the questions and um uh, t- turning towards prayer as 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 we've been discussing and you've been be- beautifully answering our questions. Um but my question for you would be um how do you handle moments of doubt or uncertainty in your faith while praying so we all have this kind these kind of moments when you lapse in your faith sometimes you might you might not be as spiritual or might not feel like praying so how would you handle these moments so this is a necessity of faith that there is an element of uh, concealment as it says in the holy quran in the very beginning they believe in the unseen now belief in the unseen entails that some things you might not realize or understand at the first uh, at the at very first rather when you progress you will learn to them so see doubt at something as something that will strengthen your faith as an incitement to learn more and to be more devoted uh, like in everything even in science when you have a theory you you work to understand or explore that theory Mm-hmm. See doubt as something which will enable and strengthen your faith, and that there is always somebody more knowledgeable than you. Yeah. Like God says in the Holy Quran as well, that above every knowledgeable person is the all knowing God. So seek this knowledge of God by meeting other people and by learning, sitting with those who know more than you. And, uh, but do not just have doubt for the sake of the doubt. That will uh, damage your faith mm. when you when you get in that position. So you should be honest in seeking knowledge. No, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for that. Um, well said. Uh, thank you so much, uh, Imam uh, Kashif. Um, turning towards um, the crisis at hand, you know the conflict and the war occurring um, in Gaza. Um, what, what would you consider being the solution for this crisis? Would you say turning back to our creator, fulfilling the rights of his creation and accepting the guidance brought by his messengers, including the promised Messiah upon whom be peace, would be the right way to, you know, kind of solve this this matter, you know, turning towards the creator? Yes, so the plight of the Palestinians, uh, if you look at from the early aspect, it starts uh, in 1948 when the state of Israel was made, but still before that, 
the divine, let's say, the will was working in that sense that God Almighty has promised that in the end of the day, just as happened with the Jews at the time of Jesus and Islam, that their worldly power would diminish, other powers would uh, grow stronger and, and be uh, dominating upon them. Uh, in, in the same way, the Holy Quran says the same thing will happen with Muslims. Hmm. Now, the day Muslims realize this, they will also realize that the way to come out of this plight is uh, that God has in this time of, of, uh, of uh, you know, sort of, uh, sent his promised Messiah hmm. to the true teachings of Islam. And once you accept those, this messenger, uh, God Almighty will be on your side. Uh, so this is the lesson which Muslims have to learn by studying yeah. history as well. What happened to the Jews at the time of the Roman Empire when they rejected the Messiah? Mm-hmm. So we cannot do the same mistake and, and just expect that God Almighty will be on our side. Yeah. Uh, now from a worldly aspect, as, as, as I said, uh, at least Muslim nations should feel a sense of uh, togetherness as our Khalifa also reminds the Muslim Ummah that be one. Yeah. Even if there's, there's no, when there is Islam and others, there should be no Sunni Shia. Really, it should be one, uh, one mm. nation speaking. And now, yeah. for the right of the Palestinians, every Muslim nation should gather mm. and raise their voice, which they are unfortunately not doing. Yeah. No, thank you so much for that well said, uh, Imam Kashif. Honestly, well put. Um, and I, I completely agree with you. I think our sentiments are are aligned over here. Um, mentioning the the unity of the uh, the Muslim Ummah. The, all, all, all the Muslims across the world, and this is, I think, um, this is this is this is one way um, we can achieve um, peace um, in, in 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 essence. And this is something that our beloved um, Caliph, His Holiness Hazrat Musa Musur Ahmad, strengthen his hand, has been mentioning over and over and over again. Um, so thank you so much for that. Um, just just finally, I would like to ask um, more about your um, specifically more about your. Um, visits and obviously your your tours that you're doing um, that you're, you've done you've done in the past in re, in regarding uh, uh, in regards with the Holy Quran and spreading the um, the excellence yeah. of the Holy Quran. So if you can shed some light upon that as well, that would be great. Yes. So the political situation in all of Europe is quite the same uh, in Sweden as well. That now and then politicians speak up against Islam generally against mosques, against uh, public, uh, uh, you know, worship of Muslims. And similarly, we had Quran burnings in, in Sweden. Mm-hmm. There's always something going on. And even international events, such as the war in Gaza, or, or recently when the Taliban took over Afghanistan, many questions arose about Sharia law. So in reaction to that, we are four imams that go out on these tours where we target five or six cities in every go. Yeah. We go to these cities by the permission of the police. We stand, uh, we put up our tent and have this campaign, Ask a Muslim. Uh, we invite media, we invite uh, the general public, of course. And, and in addition to that, we also contact the local municipality, the politicians, the church leaders, and have very interesting meetings with them. So we have built so many bridges and bonds over the last... Uh, and, uh, and, uh, so this is getting up so wide recognition. Now, Alhamdulillah, the Ahmadiyya community are recognized for their efforts to establish peace. Even though we are so few uh, Ahmadis in Sweden uh, in, in regards to other Muslims, we are only 1,600 and there are about 1 million people with Muslim uh, you know, origin in Sweden. But Alhamdulillah, mm-hmm. because we have Khilafat and, uh, and the blessing, the guidance from there, so we are doing this effort and God gives us fruit as well. I mean, I mean, th- th- thank you so much. Very well put, uh, Imam Kashif. You know, uh, uh, may Allah bless 
your hard work abundantly and all the missionaries in Scandinavia. Um, I, I consider myself part Scandinavian as well, uh, since being um, from Scotland. <laughs> uh, no, not exactly uh, Scandinavian, but <laughs> uh, close enough, I guess. Going to that history, what we made to you of your country, let's not go into that. Yeah. <laughs> Let's not, let's not. Well put, yeah, definitely. Well, um, well it's, it's great having you, as always, um, Imam Kashif. Um, you know, honestly, thank you so much for taking out your time. Please send my regards to all the missionaries in, in, in Sweden, especially uh, Musab um, Rashid, um, my, my, my beloved uh, friend, classmate. Um, you know, spend a lot of, uh, spend good time with him. So yeah, please, uh, please do send my, uh, my, my regards to all of them. And again, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, may, Allah, uh, may the peace and blessings of Allah be upon you. Amin. <laughs> Zero two zero eight six eight seven seven eight seven eight. That's the number to call if you do want to get in touch with us. Interesting, you mentioned that uh, Scotland's also <laughs> part of the <laughs> um, uh, the Orkney Islands. Yeah. Um, that used to be part of Norway. Norway, Norway, Norway at one yeah, time. Yeah. Um, interestingly, what happened was that one of the when one of the kings married um i think i was it was either the kings or maybe someone in the in the in the hierarchy mm. and uh what used to happen in those days the when the women used to marry yeah. the guy as as a gift uh they would give to to the husband yeah. and the gift was the orkney <laughs> islands <laughs> I, I think i think this is why you mentioned this because I, I read an article recently and it said that uh the orkney islands actually want to gain independence from the uk and they want to go back to norway so <laughs> yeah so um i would love to join them to be honest <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to join them. I'll, I'll, I'll take that. So, yeah. I didn't know. I didn't know you had an interest to join <laughs> Scandinavia, Norway, especially. I wouldn't. I wouldn't mind. Norway is uh, very good. <laughs> Interestingly, the 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 flag yeah. is very similar to the Norwegian flag. Is it? If you ever noticed, is it? I think they're yeah. hinting towards something. <laughs> yeah. So we we've just uh, listened to uh, Imam Kashif, and we are. Discussing the topic of prayer, and uh, on that there is, uh, I do have a clip uh, for our listeners to play, and this is on the question that what are the criteria for for prayer, and uh, the fifth caliph of the Amdi Muslim community, Azam Suramid, uh, may Allah be his helper, he has expounded on this uh, on this question, so we're just going to be listening to that now. My question is, what is the criteria making du'a to Allah? You see, criteria is always seek Allah has, Allah's help and beseech His uh, help and do du'a for good things. Yeah. You see? So if you are asking for good things, and uh, seeking good results of those good things, and Allah Ta'ala give you those good things, then those prayers will be accepted. But if your dua is that, oh Allah Ta'ala, kill that person and take revenge from <laughs> that boy who has, who has cheated me or did wrong to me, eh? so these prayers are not accepted. Eh? So, the criteria is that you always seek Allah's help in everything good. Then Allah Ta'ala will help you. And that is the criteria. And before that, 
you should do istighfar also so that allah taala save you also from the bad things right and also do durood durood sharif see when you recite durood sharif then the holy prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam says that your prayers will be accepted eh if you don't do, do not recite the rule sheaf and just ask uh, uh, do dua allah taala will not accept it as i have told you earlier in some other meeting that the holy prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam says that those duas will remain suspended in the air they will not reach to the heaven eh so will not Hazur. that means that means they it will they will not be accepted so the basic thing is that do istighfar offer durood sharif and then seek allah's help and ask him whatever you like good not bad hazur can i tell you something please it's not to be read then okay i will uh, listen to you later on and uh, the thing is that you should also be a practicing muslim offer five daily prayers not that when you are in need of something then you start offering prayers and seek allah's help no whether you need something or not whether you are happy or not even if you are in your happy life and you do not you don't have any worries even then you should offer daily prayers and seek allah's help eh and do istighfar and do durood then allah taala will accept your prayers when you are in need of those uh, things for the acceptance of those prayers right okay now tell me what do you want to say um hazur basically i've been making a dua for 4 months now and i was quite all on everything for it and it doesn't seem like it's been accepted yet how how can i like not lose hope and never give up and know that this dua will be accepted accepted in the coming months <laughs> you see you have been doing some dua for last 4 months and it has not been accepted ha huh? No, not yet, not yet. I know Allah will accept it, inshallah. Allah Taala knows better. He He has the knowledge of everything. He knows whether whether the thing the thing you are asking for is good for you or not. If Allah Taala feels that yes. it is not good for you, He will not accept it. If you are offering five daily prayers and you are a true Muslim and practicing Muslim, and have a fear of Allah Taala, eh, and do istighfar and do durood sharif, then even then if allah taala is not accepting it that means whether he tells you or not but that means that that prayer you are doing or the thing you are asking for is not good for you so if you are not practicing muslim you are not offering five daily prayers even in normal life and not doing istighfar not doing durood sharif offering durood sharif then start doing it and then again do the same prayer then see whether it is accepted or not even if it is not accepted even then then just relax and think that it's the will of allah that he is not going to accept that prayer so then ask allah taala that which, which whatever is good for me give me that that thing in place of this right okay Okay. You must have a firm belief that Allah Taala will give you the good thing, not the bad thing. Huh? Sometimes your prayers are not good for you, 
This is why they are not listened by Allah Ta'ala. Okay? In, uh, in, instead, Allah Ta'ala gives you accept those prayers in some other way. Okay? Same thing, but and, in different and, ways. And, and, in, and you will get benefits in some other things instead of getting that thing. Right? If you, if you feel comfortable, you can write to me, then what was your prayer? Adieu, Hazur. I write to you like all the time about it, like non-stop. <laughs> eh? So you can write to me what was that prayer, then I will let you know that I will tell you. Okay? All right? Sorry for taking a long time. All right. All right. Assalamu alaikum. So that was um, a uh, short clip uh, from the question and answer session uh, His Holiness had uh, with the virtual mulaqat which was taken um, with the Midlands region on the 25th of April 2021. Um, and a beautiful answer that uh, His Holiness has given uh, that you know you should have a firm conviction as well when when you are praying uh, you should have a firm co- conviction in Allah the Almighty as well and when we read the Holy Quran uh, the Holy Quran tells us in chapter 2 verse 187 that when my servants ask thee about me tell them I am close I do answer the call of the caller when he seeks to me so they should too respond to me and in another verse of the holy quran it says that in chapter 2 verse 153 that therefore remember me i will remember you and be thankful to me and do not be ungrateful so when we are discussing this topic of prayer uh you know the holy quran is very clear that it says that if you are sincere and you call towards Allah the Almighty then Allah the Almighty will reply to your prayers yeah. um, and uh, th- this is what we see from the prophets as well the mm. the examples of the prophets how their prayers were accepted yeah. um, not generally within Islam but look at all prophets how yeah. Allah the Almighty helped them in every yeah. stage yeah. Uh, there is a beautiful incident regarding uh, in the life of the promised Messiah, peace be upon him, mm-hmm. as well, that how his prayers were accepted. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure you've heard the incident of uh, Abdul Karim, yep. a student from Hyderabad yep. who came to study in uh, in Qadian. Mm-hmm. And during that stay, he was bitten by a dog yep. and uh, he got rabies. Yeah. And it was so severe that uh, the hospital at that time it said that we well we can't save him, mm. and the exact words were that nothing can be done for uh, Abdul Karim. Yeah. Uh, yet the promised Messiah peace be upon him continuously mm. prayed, and uh, it's narrated that uh, that individual he lived a very long life, mm. and uh, scientists to this day or doctors to this day still have no cure for this yeah. for this disease. But it's yeah. remarkable how uh, for the prophets, sometimes even the impossible yeah. becomes possible. Absolutely. And, and yeah. we, we see that throughout, you know, that uh, it shows us that those sand grains can change into gold. Yeah. And through those prayers, 
it really teaches a lesson that you know the, if one is truly sincere then uh, Allah the Almighty can truly make the impossible into possible yeah no definitely I think uh, well, well put no, I, I really like that incident it, give, it gives it gives someone faith as well you know there, yeah. there is a living God and this is yeah. something that we we talk about a lot in, 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 in the Ahmadi Muslim community that we we have Islam has a living God Islam hears your prayer and as you mentioned the, uh, the Quranic verse as well is that you, all you have to do is strive all you have to do is just go towards God Almighty and he will he will be there for you he will listen to you and this is exactly what happened and as, as you said you know beautifully put for the prophets of God Almighty um, the impossible becomes possible so yeah definitely um, I really like I really like this point because it it, it increases the conviction it can increases faith mm. in one mm. Um and I, I also believe that. Um, so what, 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 what I came across, if 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 we if 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 we revert back to, um, or if 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 you look at the the topic at hand with the, with the Gazans and the and, and and prayers and thoughts going towards them, that people are heavily influenced by what they are seeing right now and and and, and the atrocities yeah. they are seeing and they're being influenced by their conviction as in the Gazans' conviction, yeah. um, and their belief in God Almighty. And so much so that um, this 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 one woman in particular, she was so engulfed, she was so mesmerized by their their conviction, that she ended up reading the Holy Quran. Mm. And because she started reading the Holy Quran, she was she was she was amazed. She was like, "This is the Holy Quran," mm. and she was so um, shocked that it gave so many rights to women. It spoke about so many uh, social matters, and this made her really think and really question. Okay, is, is is there a god? Is is, is Islam the right path? Mm. This is something that the Gazans are, are are creating in the world right now, especially in the West. That people are looking at Islam in a different light now. They're like, there's, there's, there's something about Islam now. There's something about the Gazans that they're they're showing this conviction. And the fact of the matter is that I don't know about you, Mom Takir, but some of these these image uh, these images and these scenes and pictures they're really really brutal. You know, yeah. they're really explicit. Yeah. You know, like yeah. and it's, it's difficult to to look at them. Mm. And we 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 can't look in them, but these these Muslims are Muslim brothers in Gaza. They're, they're living it. Yeah, they're living it, and they're yeah. they're seeing this. And imagine their their situation over there. So you know, it's just is is the fact of the matter is, God Almighty gives you strength, and at the moment He's giving them all all a, a lot of strength right now. And that's why they, you know, we we're, we're like obviously as as we continue to say, and our our beloved Caliph, uh, the fifth Caliph, um, fifth successor of the Promised Messiah, upon whom be peace. Um, they, they, he's he, he's continuously me- uh, mentioning um, his 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 um, his instructions to us is continuously pray, continuously pray for the Gazans, uh, make sure that this the, 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 there is some sort of ceasefire, and we we were doing all sorts um, practically as well, writing to the our MPs and holding prayers for peace events, and this is something that we're trying to do from our side, and you know trying to make a difference. Yeah, and and when it comes to injustice as well. Um, Islam makes says that every effort should be made to stop all acts of oppression, mm. injustice, and the Holy Quran actually teaches uh, the Holy Prophet peace be upon him. He once said that help your brother, whether he is an oppressor or he is an oppressed one. Yeah, and it's very interesting uh, when the Prophet said that, and people asked. Uh, oh, he, people asked at that time that oh Allah's messenger that we understand helping a person if he is oppressed how should we help if he is an oppressor 
And the Prophet replied that by preventing him from oppressing others. And it's a beautiful example that through wisdom and dialogue that mm. not only can we help an oppressor, but even uh, an, an, a person who's being oppressed, but also an oppressor, mm. we can let them know. You yeah. know, we can write letters, we can you know, make the situation, yeah. uh, highlight the situation yeah. that what this individual is doing is wrong. Yeah. So that's what the prophet meant that, you know, not only mm. uh, to attain justice within the society uh, and to stop oppression, not only should you be helping those who are oppressed, but also stopping the hand of the oppressor. Yeah, no, it's just another beautiful teaching of Islam. And it's it's, it's really interesting how... Um, but when people do question, you know, this this this, this sort of um, conviction, as, as as we keep on going towards, or as I keep on going towards <laughs> this conviction of the Muslims in 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 Gaza, um, people question why 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 is it, what is it that they have, and I and I and I honestly think about this constantly, and I'm like, what what is it that we we actually have, that the Muslims have such conviction, um, and faith in God Almighty, and the fact of the matter is, is Muslims realize that this world is temporary. Because the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, has said, okay, I'm, I'm but a traveler in this world. This is, this, this, this is not my final destination. My final destination is the hereafter. And that, is, that goes for the rest of us as well. Our final destination is the hereafter. And that is where we will receive our true rewards. This, this world is temporary. And uh, if, if, if we continuously go towards you know, these worldly treasures and all these worldly desires that we keep on going towards, they're always temporary. They're going to leave. But after we pass away, when we go towards our Creator, our God Almighty, that's where we receive our, you know, like true rewards. You know, like our our just desserts. So definitely, yeah, I think I think I think we need to um, definitely step back and take a look at ourselves. And and I think uh, when we are talking about prayer in this segment, um, we can conclude this segment with some of the writings of the Promised Messiah, peace be upon him, Ahmed. On whom be peace, um, in which he states regarding prayer. So he says at one place that God Almighty is self-sufficient and is in no need of our prayers. Rather, we are the ones who require prayer. And at another place, he said that I do not find adequate words to express the faith that I have in recovery of the sick through the prayer. The physician goes up to a certain stage and he stops there and loses hope. Further to that, it is God who opens up the way through the prayers. The understanding of the prayers is the real comprehension of the divine and trust in God the Almighty. One should go beyond the limits that the people have fixed and he should be full of hope. It is at this stage that man begins to recognize God. And he further says that the prayer which produces a sweetness and a zeal for more of worship and which strikes a communi- communication with God and is offered in all humanity brings about a change in the life of the man. And this change is inst- instantaneously perceived by the one who prays like this. This change makes him realize that he is not what he was before. So with that, um, we'll conclude uh, this uh, particular segment and uh, I'd like to take this opportunity and thank the producer, uh, Barida Suhail Mansoor, for, for her hard work. 
and uh, her team uh, of researchers, uh, Tahrim and Aman, and also to the lead producer, Nargis Nasir. Also, like to thank uh, Brother Shafiq um, in in the in the background for all his hard work, uh, Imam Jalis Khan for his for his hard work, his contribution, and uh, mentioning his interest in uh, Scandinavia. <laughs> <laughs> rather than Scotland <laughs> um, and most importantly to the listeners thank you so much for uh, joining us and uh, making this uh, show uh, worthwhile um, and uh, do tune in to the breakfast show on Monday um, they have a very interesting program as well uh, so they'll be looking at the topic of children's mental health week that's one Topic of discussion and the other topic they'll be discussing is equality in caring responsibilities. So do stay tuned in for that and also do benefit from the Drive Thai show as well from 4pm to 6pm. And if, if you do want to listen to any of the programs, again, you can go on our website on www.voiceofislam.co.uk. Uh, and I did, I did also wanted to thank... The guests that came as well, on as well, uh, Begonia Castro for for joining us, um, and uh, sharing her thought, and also Imam Kashivurk for for joining the discussion today as well. So thank you to uh, all of uh, the guests that joined, and until next time, it is Assalamu Alaikum Warahmatullahi Wabarakatuh from us here in the studio, Voice of Islam.